Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1233 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Rogers Place, the Edmonton Oilers taking on Dallas tomorrow. The Oilers, by the way, three straight games this week. Uh, against teams that play will be playing the night before in Calgary. Of course, the Kings went into Calgary, beat them 3-0 on Monday night. Oilers spanked at L.A. last night, 8-4. Didn't see that coming. Chase Jonathan Quick gives up five in the first. Tonight, Dallas in Calgary. And uh, the Stars against the Oilers. It'll be Ben Bishop tonight, which means uh, what Anton Godobin will likely be the starter tomorrow night against Edmonton. And then uh, Anaheim is in Calgary on Friday. And then they'll take the orders on Saturday night here at Rogers Place. Oilers got to capitalize on that if they keep uh, their low percentage playoff hopes alive. But if they can win out, you never know. To paraphrase former St. Louis Cardinals pitcher Joaquin Andar, the most important word in baseball, you just never know. All righty. Uh, some guests and orders now receive certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Uh, tell Maggie and the staff that Oilers now sent you. Craig Simpson joins us right now. Craig, how are you? Okay, Bob. How are you? Good. How much did you get a chance to see the whole game last night, or were you out at an event? Uh, you know what? I'm down on a little uh, family trip, but I watched it on my computer, and uh, it was pretty much over in the first period, uh, I would say. All right. Uh, we don't see games like that a lot anymore. But they were quite common uh, when you broke into the National Hockey League, weren't they? Yeah, you had games that would open up like that. And uh, I listened to Hitch's comment. It, it's a little unnerving when, you know, you have had a team that uh, has a propensity to give up goals in a hurry and back-to-back pretty quick ones. And, you know, you get that uh, comfortable lead and at times you, you you back off a little bit. And there's no question it's a loosey-goosey game for L.A. They're just you know, uh, taking chances and trying to create things as well. So I, I think I got a little bit uh, uh, uncomfortable when the Kings got their fourth goal because you, you really do never know. But, you know what, I was watching that, Bob, and you and I have talked weekly about big times and big games and preparation. And if I was an older player, I, I'd be pissed after that game. Uh, like, Where has that kind of urgency been? Uh, you go back to numerous games and say – Go back as recently as the game before in Ottawa, the game before that uh, against New Jersey. I mean, home ice has been a place where they haven't had that kind of start. And, you know, I, I know everybody's putting out hope that they can still make it. But how many times do they need at least just an effort, just to just be a wake-up call to start the game and start like that with some energy and put pucks to the net? I'd be pissed. Like, where's that been all January, February, March? Well, Completely fair comment, Craig, uh, because if they had those three extra points against New Jersey and Ottawa, they'd be two points out with six games left, and you'd say they definitely would have a chance at that stage. Uh, How right? many points have they given Arizona? 
Yeah, well, whether lost. having to beat them in overtime or lose in overtime and not show up. I mean, there you can ifs and buts all the way around. Sure, but sure. I, I'm just saying, I listen to the reaction of everybody there and talking about how they're playing. But those are the kind of things that put you in the position that you're in. And, and that's, you know, the missed opportunities. You can go back on the calendar and go back on the games and say, you know, that's the frustrating thing is – it's 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 something that just needed to be addressed right away and so okay you still got a chance you can't lose a game you've got to get 12 points in the next little bit but i'd be really disappointed as a teammate going guys you know how many nights do we come in this room and talk about what we could have done or should have done you know as i said it's it's always about you've got to get out there and you've got to play the way you need to play to be successful do you think they're person okay so i'll grant you uh, they did not make hay at home all year. It's been an issue, right? And last night was a fun night, and they jumped on a team against a really good goalie who, by the way, is not having a great year but has had historically right. their number, and they kicked the snot out of the Kings in the first period. All that being said, Craig, it, to me it's twofold. Yes, it's they haven't made enough hay at home, but B, part of the reason why they haven't made it, uh, enough hay at home is they can't sustain anything in-game because they divested themselves of two useful top nine players during the course of the season as forwards, and they don't have enough depth up front. And so they played about 40 games with some guys that didn't play with any desperation. And ironically here, now we are, I mean, I, I looked at Gambardella, and I know you used to watch games from the minors all the time, and I'm thinking the orders are in a little bit different uh, spot right now. But I, yeah. I see a different desperation with Gambardella and Curry than I ever did with Ryan Spooner, who was here for a while. And I yeah, well, that's part of it. Like, it's not just that they didn't take care of The personnel wasn't good enough, and some of the guys that were here didn't get it done as well. Well, no, it, it says it speaks volumes in the sense that you're, you've got your three best players all having career years, and you're still, you know, just clinging to an opportunity for a playoff thing. It's, it's, it's shocking that you could have you know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins all having a pretty good careers they've had to even this point in another career year. So there's no question there's that, uh, you know, that has been the storyline all year that there hasn't been secondary scoring. I would still argue, you know, they're still not nearly as good defensively that they need to be. There, there's all kinds of fixable things that you have, but uh, I just think it's uh, it's such a travesty to, to waste you know, there aren't many teams, and I, I believe I read somewhere the Penguins in 1990 with uh, Coffee and Mario with 100 points each and the Nordiques in, like, 1985 or yeah. so with uh, two players with 100 points and not make the playoffs. It's hard to do when you've got two players that dominant. Uh, by the way, when Pittsburgh did it, it was 16 out of 21 teams, Craig. Right, but Reminder, there's still 16 teams. There's still 16 teams, and there's 31, right? Like, if Edmonton, uh, let's just say the Oilers run the table and don't make the playoffs, they'll be kicking themselves for sure, right? And it's, I'm not taking Well, they should be kicking themselves now. I, I, I agree. The I, yeah. I, I agree. But it, it, it's a little different making it 16 out of 31 versus 16 out of 21. So, uh, Craig Simpson joining us from NHL Hockey, which, which sometimes, Craig, people need to be reminded of. I mean, you know, I love the, the 1981 series. The Oilers came in 14th that year and played the Canadians who came in third. And Edmonton was, you could see the Oilers during the course of that series. I didn't think of it as a 15-year-old kid watching it. Holy crap. Like, 
the Oilers are going to have, like, Paul Coffey is going to be an unbelievable. You watch the video now, and and go, there's a guy named Oiler Fanatic, one, who's got basically every game slug that's on YouTube. And you watch the highlights from that series, you're like, these guys are going to be good. And I still think Edmonton can get there. They've got to make some subtle changes with the, the lineup. And, and by the way, it's not, Craig, it's not three guys having career years. It's six. Because Nurse right. is having a career year. Cassian's having a career year. Chason's having a career year, which just makes it even that much more frustrating. Agreed. Well, that makes for crappy radio when two guys. <laughs> uh, all right. So just just play. I, 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 you brought us back to reality for a second. Yeah. Like I, I, don't, I just I, I get very upset listening to, you know, that kind of reaction on a game last night. And I, I know it must drive Hitch out of his mind. It might, I know if I was on the coaching staff, it's going, guys, we've been preaching this and you've been talking about this. And, you know, how many meetings do you have to have about being prepared and about doing that? So that is the reality of sport. You know, you, you uh, the reality is that, you know, talking about it or saying, you know, we missed this opportunity. We didn't play hard enough. We didn't come up with the effort. Well, yeah, I mean, it should be, a resounding sledgehammer to the head going you have to be prepared every night to put it all out there and take control of the game especially you know it's not like this is a team that now uh, suddenly realizes that they have to play hard to get in the playoffs that, that's what i say you go back to january losses um you know against detroit against chicago on home ice where you do you don't get any shots so those are the light the lessons that you've lived through in this time and i just think uh, i don't think there's anything to be celebratory about or feel very good about anything you know when you get that kind of performance wonderful to see nugent hopkins get there great to see dry get to within four or 50 you know those are the highlight things that happen but it's it's just to me it's another uh, sledgehammer to the head of, of what's been missing. All right, so is it more of a, Craig? Is it more of an indictment on the players, or on the management and the well, asset we, management? We all we all know the management has not had the uh, the personnel to to be a successful team that can put it on cruise control and win games. So, you know, I think there are a lot of teams out there that don't bring their best game every night but they're able to pull out a game. And and I would say with McDavid and Dreisaitl having the years that they are, that should have been the case. I mean, it should have been good enough to be in the mix every night and have two guys with 100 points and, you know, 40-plus goals pull the games out for you. So clearly there's been failure. I, I think that's that's a given. I, I just say and the team has shown at times, you know, I, I'm really happy for – for a guy like Zach Cassian having a career year. But to me, you go back to our conversations week one or week two, and you go, there's a guy that just has to figure out, you just got to be good 70 to 80% of the time. And you don't have to score all the time. And, you know, unfortunately, early on, he hadn't been able to figure that out. But now he has. He's had the opportunity. He had. Wait, wait a second. Time. Wait a second. Craig, you said he had the opportunity. Look, I, you know, I, I think the role of Todd McClellan, I think Todd's a slam dunk to get another NHL job. He didn't see Cassian in the top six role on this team. He had. Because he's not showing him that. Right. I, I, like, you can argue that all day when the guy's doing it now. Right. But the only reason he's doing it now is because your team's been so bad, you got to flip guys around and find somebody to play there. 
Yeah. You know, that, that okay. his history, I, I said right from the beginning, that's where I continually go back. You know, I heard your talk about Dreisaitl all of a sudden being shooter. How many times we talk about coming into camp with the availability of playing with McDavid? If you're, I mean, Chase on, uh, amazingly, what did he go? Like 19 games out of goal, he's still having a career year but at least took the opportunity and said, I got to learn how to play with these two guys to yeah. be successful. And I look at Leon, he's in, in the course of his career, when he went back to junior, he did everything he needed to be better. And he, and he produced, I think he looked this year and said, Hey, if I'm going to play with McDavid, I got to be ready to shoot. I got to get the lane better. I've got to be ready to pounce. And you know, that hat trick goal last night, could you count 10 of his goals like that at least? Yeah. You know, that pass across. So, but I look at that again as being the player being prepared and saying, this is what I have to do and this is what I have to work on. And I put Zach right from the beginning of training camp in that same breath. You know, that would have been a great opportunity. You can argue that maybe the coach didn't give him the chance, but I would also argue that Hitch he only didn't put him it. there. Yeah. He didn't <laughs> Hitch, Hitch only put him there because nobody else was doing it. And you give the guy the opportunity and he's come forward. That should be the exact casting that you have from the first day of training camp to the first day of So playoffs. on that note, do you think he could sustain this? Like, Do you think Cassian could he's, be a 20-goal scorer next year if he played with those two guys? Well, he, he should be able to, but Zach's never been able to prove that he can do that on a consistent basis. That's what I was looking for from him from the beginning of the year. And, uh, again, it's, it's a maturity. You can tell now he's enjoying He's got energy. He's bringing something. He's having fun, of course, because – now you're loose and you're playing. Uh, the the thing for every player who's coming into a new team or even a team that he's trying to make the step from being a, a fourth-line player to maybe a third to maybe a second to maybe a platooning on the first is to understand what you have to work on and what you have to do every single night. And that's where I was saying about last night, you know, how many nights has – whether it's Ken Hitchcock or whether it's an assistant coach or whether it's your captain saying, guys, we've got to be ready from the start tonight. We've got to take control of the game. So everybody's got to be understanding that it's not about scoring a pretty goal. It's about coming out with energy and checking hard and, and turning pucks over and you know taking control of the game. And, and those are the little pieces that I've just been missing so often this year, and that's what's frustrating to see a guy like Cassian clicking now where – you know, that's his opportunity. He's had it a couple of times, and I would have hoped he had it from the beginning of this year, but at least now he's got it right now. All right, Craig, I'm going to phrase this differently. Craig Simpson joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stoffer with you at Oilers now. Is this maybe, Craig, a byproduct of the team's best players maturing and learning a hard lesson, number one, and an organization that divested themselves of some depth, realizing they're going to have to rebuild their forward groups moving forward. And number that's number two. Number three, their D finally got healthy. And number four, the guy they counted on to be their number one goaltender had an 893 save percentage here, wasn't their number one, and another guy's learning. Maybe this is somewhat predictable when you factor those four things in. I'm not giving the, the, the guys an excuse or a pass. Like, they got to be better at home. And I've repeatedly stated... Every panel I've done, I said, I just want them to win the games at home because the fans yep. here deserve it, right? I'm not, but I'm, I'm just looking at the confluence of events saying banged up defense, number one goaltender basically lost his job to another guy who's trying to prove he can do it. Uh, 
not enough support up front, which I think could be partially addressed in the offseason, and then maturation of the team's best players who are all 25 and under. Well, there's a there's a portion of that on you know so many teams around the league that it happens throughout. So uh, the reality is yes to all those, but the team didn't respond well enough to overcome it, and that began part of your journey as a as a player, part of your journey as a general manager to say you know the the, the moves that were made were uh, piled on the problem as opposed to solving the problem. I think. Um, I don't think there's any question that when you look at the top end of your team offensively, you got to have guys who think the game well, who have speed, and who can make some plays. And, uh, you know, on the back end, yeah, I, I think injuries. But, you know, there are a lot of teams that have critical injuries that you have to find a way through. So uh, I don't think there's any question that if you had better goaltending uh, from start to finish, you'd be in a position where just look at, six points somewhere where you could have got it. And I don't think it's been a case where, you know, there are some playoff teams that look to their goaltender and say, man, their goaltender got them 18 to 20 points that you probably shouldn't have. And uh, Darcy Camp, Darcy Camper with Arizona. There's There's a a great example. Yeah. So, uh, but that's again about, you know, when you don't have the right mix and you don't have the depth, then you need individual players to have extraordinary years. And I guess in the key positions, you, you just haven't had that. You, you go back two years ago, and the most key position in, with Cam Talbot is you had a career year. And that maybe exposed a lot of warts that are still here now, but it, it didn't matter because you were able to get there and then get to the playoffs. So I, I, I just think the, the story there, you know, if you're going to go through the battles that you are right now, you better damn well as a player too, and I'm not putting any the blame on the players. I'm just talking from a player perspective. You better learn your lessons now about what's the shortcoming, and that's where I'm getting back to. You know, celebrating last night and feeling great would be one of it would have left me with a burn in my stomach. Going, why aren't we like that every night? And why aren't we in a position where we're gearing up for a playoffs, not just trying to play out a hope to get there? You know what I, I find interesting? Your second year with Pittsburgh, you had a decent year. You had Mario. He got hurt that year, if I recall. He missed about 15 games. Yeah. You guys missed the playoffs by four points. Yeah. Second last game or so, I think, of the year, I remember, yeah. You actually had a positive goal differential that season. Uh, do you see some similarities between where your group was at then and the, where this group is at now with Edmonton? Well, it's very different in the sense that you know, I thought my first two years in Pittsburgh, we had a lot of guys at the end of their careers. You know, an older team, we had no budget, wasn't trying to, you know, be a cap team that had difficulties. We had ownership that had no money that was just surviving because Mario was there. And, you know, we had a lot of guys who were at the end of their career, not necessarily great team guys. I, I think, though, it really made a difference the next year after Mario going to the Canada Cup and, you know, experiencing that. I think that the tide started to turn, and then they made a big deal. You know, they traded myself and Chris Joseph and Dave Hanna and Mo Manta and got some experience and a guy that could play off the heels of how great Mario was. So, you know, I think there's not a lot of similarity in terms of the type of team it was. 
But man, when you when you've got the talent that you do at the top end, you, you got to make sure you yeah. you just supply enough of it in there, and that's where management's top priority has to be. Is you know, I it's it's amazing just how good and. Let's face it, you can't play McDavid and Dreisaitl 26 minutes a night and expect them to have four or five points you know, every night. That, that's just not going to happen over 82 games. But last night is an example of just how good and how productive they can be. Well, even Nugent Hopkins playing 20. I think he's actually better at 18 minutes. We're joined by Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers Hockey Night in Canada. So uh, the Oilers... On the outside looking in, uh, I think we both agree they need to improve some speed by the uh, speed and skill in the lineup. By the way, Craig, three guys that started the right wing and top three right wing spots had a combined 15 goals in preseason, which obviously means nothing. They got yeah. nine goals in the regular season. That's uh, ratty. Yeah, you think of how Ty started and what do you have? Seven goals, 11 points in four games, and you go, okay, we've got that figured out. And yeah, yeah that, that doesn't right. uh, and that's pull its way through. Part, I mean, they're actually lucky Chason's been as good as he is. So yep. maybe there was a, a miscalculation. And I don't think anybody's counting on Tyler Benson and Kyler Yamamoto being here at the start of next season, and that's the way the team's got to be ma- managed. And if they push their way up, they push their way up. So be it. Very quickly, uh, Dry settles at 46. Does he get to 50? He's got six games left. You've been there before. You oh, know what God, it's like. Yeah, yeah. The, the way he's going, like I thought, I know in his mind, I can go back to the game in Buffalo. He should have had a couple of extra. Like I, I know right now he's thinking – Man, I should have about 52 already because you yeah. you always think of the ones that you missed and that you had open nets or you just barely. So he, the way he's rolling, and let's face it, uh, you know I, I think it's good karma. He was passing like crazy the game before, um, you know, setting guys up when he had three assists a couple games ago, and then you know last night's one where McDavid pays it back and gives some great passes. And uh, I can't see a scenario where he doesn't get to 50. I, I think it's a great testament to his uh you know he's worked awfully hard he's worked on his game that that's what i keep trying to drill back to when i say about the player it's the player understanding what opportunity presents itself and doing everything in his power to to become better and to work on little things and i think leon's a great example of that i do agree with you on one thing craig they will be kicking them like it is unlikely that they can close the gap the statistics are against them and if they don't make it i do believe they're going to be kicking themselves, and maybe that'll be enough. And you know what? Everybody involved in the organization is going to be kicking themselves to, as well. I mean, I, I'm here to yep. tell I'm here to tell you that trading Ryan Strom and not having a third line center for 60 games, and Strom is not a world beater in any way, shape, or form. That was not a good trade. And no. dumping Kajula for a guy that's in and out of the lineup in the American Hockey League, that was not a good. And they they didn't have the depth at forward to make those moves. Yeah. And you know what? If they miss by two or three points. People say, "Wow, it, there's a big difference." But you, you know what I mean by, like, two or three points, you lose. Oh, a couple. two or three points will drive you crazy because you you know how many you've just piddled yeah. away. Yeah, you could go down the list. And you know, Kenny Albert told me uh, this last weekend the two most productive players this season in the NHL that have been traded are Ryan and Dylan Strome. Dylan Strome being number one after having such a great, you know, run in Don't Chicago. Don't tell me that! Yeah, and uh, and Dylan Strome after his 60 game. I mean, granted, it's only 27 or 8 points, but that tells you, you know, not a lot of players get traded with big impact like that, but those are your top two guys in the uh, NHL this year. 
<laughs> I, I'll leave you with that, Bob. Well, I, I think you know because I think you know who I was pushing the orders to try to steal out of Arizona. So <laughs> and they're like, we already got one Strom. We don't need two. I'm like, I'd take a chance on that Strom. Craig, where are you this week? I got uh, Toronto in Ottawa. Awesome stuff. Thanks for your time. Okay, take care. It's 12.56. I completely blew through uh, 23 minutes there with Craig Simpson on NHL Hockey and Rogers. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we talk, uh, when we return, not Eileen Bell, sorry, my apologies, Cassandra. Cassandra Jodwan. Uh, when we come back, Dave Lumley to talk about being overshadowed by the great one in a game in which he had six points. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.